Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Okay, so tonight the theme is not quite as graphic or gory as last week. Um, last week, last week, um, I had John take my blood on stage, draw my blood, and some people didn't appreciate um, seeing <laughs> seeing the youth pastor's blood on stage. So tonight it's going to be a little bit of a musical theme when we're talking about our open hearts, and we're going to be talking about symbols. Now that I got your attention. Um, <laughs> We're going to be talking about symbols. Now, that's why I show the video of these kind of symbol slash drum fails. Um, because if you're in middle school orchestra, um, you know that that's when you find out if you're that's when you find out if you're gifted or if maybe something else is in your future. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's kind of the transition point. And um, you had a couple people there who you know maybe they are not going to be in marching band when they get into high school. I don't know. Um, so. When we think about symbols, they're really loud, aren't they? When I hit it, like, it was really loud. But after a couple seconds, it's totally quiet again. What's the difference between a symbol, some of you went like that. What's the difference between a symbol and a heartbeat? Well, a heartbeat is barely detectable. You need a stethoscope to hear a heartbeat. Any old person can hear a symbol. What would you think would happen if I put the stethoscope on, put it up on the symbol, and then hit the symbol? I'd probably, I'd probably blow my eardrums out. But here's, here's the thing. Which lasts longer, the sound of a symbol or the sound of a heartbeat? A heartbeat lasts a lifetime. Well, it should last a lifetime. So tonight, what we're gonna, the question I'm going to kind of ask is, is my service to God... A symbol, or is it a heartbeat? Um, we've been talking, we've been, I almost lost my notes, that would have been bad. Um, we've been doing this series called Open Hearts, and we've been talking about what are God's vitals. Not like what are God's vital signs, but what are the ways that God measures us? What are the vital signs of a Christian? Because some people think, well, the vital signs of a Christian, if they go to church a lot, and uh, maybe they go on a mission trip, or they help in VBS, they're good Christians. But yeah, what we learned last week was you can do all those things that people notice, but your heart can still be very far from God. Because God doesn't look at the outside, God looks at our hearts. So last week we talked about having a heart for God. Um, last week we talked about the first vital sign was that we're supposed to love God. And God, we're going to talk about three vital signs over the next couple weeks. Last week we talked about love God. Tonight, this is the next vital sign. Love one another. You know, this is something, it's kind of interesting that we, as a youth group, every year we've grown in the number of people that have been coming to our youth group, which is great. But there are a couple false assumptions sometimes that we make as a growing youth group. One of the first is, we talked about two weeks ago, I remember, we're big enough. You know, we got enough people here. It's cramped in the park. It's loud. And two weeks ago we talked about how... God says we're not big enough. God says that we're supposed to go out to the highways and the byways and compel them to come so that my house, my table may be full. And I introduced this uh, little phrase that you all have been like kind of bullying Wyatt with. Uh, Wyatt said, I guess he went over, there was a group of you yesterday or the day before, and you walked around the corner, a bunch of you popped out, and were like, let's do it again. And you're like, well, I've got a new phrase for you to um, annoy Wyatt with tonight. Um, 
Because the next assumption that we make is, oh, because our youth group's growing, that must mean that must mean that this youth group is a healthy youth group. And growing is, I guess, a sign that we're spiritually healthy, but there's this, I, there are a lot of places that can grow, and a lot of like youth groups that can grow and still not be spiritually healthy because we shouldn't necessarily measure ourselves by how many people are coming, but we should measure ourselves as a youth group by the love that we display towards the people who are here and the people who come. Um, Jesus had three big commandments that he left his people with. The first was love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. The second one that he left, he said this. He said, a new command I have for you. Love one another as I have loved you. And then he said this. He said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. So Jesus' command for us, one of, the, one of his three big commands, is for us to love each other. So if we want to measure our spiritual health, each of us want to measure our spiritual health, first we have to talk about, do I, I feel like I, either an orchestra conductor or a teacher, I don't know. Love God. That's the first thing we should measure ourselves by. The second is, do we love each other? Do we love one another? Do we display Christ-like love to each other? Um, to answer that question, we're going to t- uh, turn to the book of Corinthians. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna actually look at both um, of the Corinthians. There are, two Corinth- there are two books called Corinthians. And <laughs> if you ask some politicians, there is a two Corinthians. But, um, but, uh, but um, start in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6. And you, you know you're a bad church. You know you're a bad church when the Apostle Paul has to write you not one, but two letters. And the, the Corinthian church, which was in the city of Corinth, they were a bad church. I mean, it's like, well, you guys don't watch Jerry Springer like we did when we were kids, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's like what's, what's, what's another show? That, yeah, it, it's like uh, Maury, you know, you are the father. You know, it's that kind of stuff going on in this church. I mean, you had, you had stepsons that were in love with their stepmoms. That's a really G-rated way of describing it. Um, you had the rich people in the church excluding the poor people in the church, and you have the poor people in the church saying, oh, there's a bunch of snobs. We're going to go do our own thing. Um, so there was a lot of problems. So they, there are two letters Paul wrote. And he says in first, second Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, this is his second letter, and he's like, guys, I, I, I want you to open up to me just like I've opened up to you. And he says this, he says, we have, sp- in verse 11, he says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you, open hearts, open wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding your affection from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts to us also. This problem with this church is that they closed off their hearts to each other. And can I say that's always a problem that we need to fight against as a church, Lewis Memorial, and as a youth group refuel, is that sometimes we close our hearts off to each other, and we just come, we sing the songs, we listen to the lesson, fill out our tag report, and go home, and don't think about each other for the rest of the week. But God wants us to open up our hearts to each other. So how do we do that? How do we do that? There's this um, passage in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, uh, so turn to 1 Corinthians now, chapter 13, and if you go to weddings, 
which I don't recommend. They're boring. Um, um, but if you go to weddings, um, you, you, a lot of times there's going to be a pastor that gets up and he reads from 1 Corinthians 13. And you may have heard it before. You may have memorized this. You've probably heard it at a wedding. And it kind of goes like this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It isn't rude. It's not arrogant. It's not self-seeking. Um, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And then everybody goes, oh. And then the, and then the bride and the groom, you know, they swap some spit. They go down the aisle. They go on their honeymoon. And the wedding's over. Um, but... What's interesting, this verse was really not written about the love that a husband and wife share. It wasn't written about the love that a boyfriend and girlfriend share until they fall in love with the next person. Um, but um, it's actually written about the love that people in a church are supposed to show each other. So next time you're at a wedding and they start reading uh, 1 Corinthians 13, um, and they ask, does anybody have like, any objections to this wedding? You'd be like, yeah, I've got an objection. Use 1 Corinthians 13 out of context. No, don't do that. Don't interrupt the, don't interrupt the wedding. But <clears throat> this was written to us. This was written to church people. So let's read it. Because if Jesus said we're supposed to love one another, and, he, and we get a definition in the Bible of what love really means... We should pay attention to it if we want to be spiritually healthy. So let's read it. 1 Corinthians 13. Um, we'll just do 1 through 3 right now. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I... <laughs> Y'all were looking at your Bibles. You didn't see that one coming. I'm only a, if I don't have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move the mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give my body over to hardships so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. You see what this set of verses is saying? Um, the Corinthians... They all wanted to be the church superstars. Yeah, they wanted to be the, uh, uh, the Chris Tomlin worship leader with the skinny jeans on that you can tell if it's a, like a heads or tails on the dime in his pocket. You know, uh, they, wanted to be the worship, yeah, they wanted to be the ones that were speaking in front of people. And they wanted to be the ones in this case where they still had the quote-unquote apostolic gifts, nerd alert, nerd term, but where they still had these gifts of speaking in tongues and prophesying and getting words of knowledge. They wanted to, they wanted to be the ones that were doing the cool things. Nobody wanted to clean the Corinthian toilets in the church. So they were all fighting over who got this and who got what and who, had, who got to do this in the church and who got to do this in the church. And what God is telling them is you could be in front of 5,000 people leading worship at Winter Jam, but if you can't show love to the people around you in the church the effect that you're going to have long-term, the eternal effect, be about as much as this. Really loud, gets everybody's attention, and then in five minutes, nobody knows who you are. But if you have love, what you learn at the end of this chapter is it's like a heartbeat. It's not necessarily the most noticeable thing, but it keeps going, and it keeps going, and it gives life to the people in your church. So the question tonight isn't, Am I a superstar Christian? The question isn't, do all the old people at church love me? Yeah, I, I was a suck-up at church when I grew up, and all the old people thought I was just the greatest kid ever. 
you know, because I said hi to them and I shook their hands and all this stuff, but really, you know, I don't want to be there. Um, but they gave me stuff, so I was nice to them. Um, so so you, know, you, you can be a church superstar. You, 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 everybody can think you're the greatest Christian ever, and you can, you can sing, you can teach a class, you can help in VBS, but if you don't have this one thing, I circled the words... You know, instead of just circling love here, I circled have love, because if you look, it says have love, have love, have love, and then there's, I also circled if I have the gift of knowledge, and if I have a faith that moves the mountains, but I don't have love, if I give all I possess other for, but I don't have love. So the question tonight is, do you have it? The question tonight is, do you have it? Look at the person next to you and say, do you have it? Okay, now, now, now try it again. Try it again, only really put the screws to them. Pretend like, you're the, pretend like you're the police interrogator and you take that light and you put it in their face. You know, you say, do you have it? Okay, here's, here's what I'm concerned about. Now that I've totally lost you. Up here, guys, up here. Up here. But really, though, really, do you have it? Do you have the love of Christ? And are you actually showing it towards the people that walk in the doors here? If this is such an important thing and we have to have it, I think we better find out what it is, shouldn't we? Thankfully, God gives us this definition of what love is. So look at verse 4. It says, love is patient, love is kind. Isn't that pretty? Um, I love dogs. I am not a cat person. Um, I think can't, cats need to get on a steady diet of antifreeze. Um, not really. I, well, I don't know. I just don't like cats. Um, but, but, but hold on. Before we get into what this dog is doing, I want to show you something. Most people think that this passage is a, this long definition of love. That love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't, But really, it only says two things that love is. You could divide this passage into three, three things. Love is, love isn't, and love does. And that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to divide it into three things. Love is, love isn't, and love does. So what is love? There's a song in there too. Uh, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Okay. Um, it's like one of those do, 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 do. Anyway. So question is, what is love? I'll tell you right now what it is. It says it right here. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is being patient, and love is being kind. These are two things, and you think that's kind of a weird combo if you wanted to find love with anything. You wouldn't love be like your butterfly kisses. Um, wouldn't love be like that feeling you get when that person walking up. Love isn't a feeling here, is it? Love is patient, and love is kind. Um, these two words are actually, one is a passive, the passive part of love, and one is the active part of love. Love is patient. It's hard to be patient. Have you ever heard somebody say this, or maybe you've said this to someone? I'm just not a patient person, especially when it comes to dealing with other people. I'm not a patient person. Well, the Bible says that love is patient. Um, this word, I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Yeah, I've, I've given up trying to pronounce Greek words in front of all you guys watching me and, and judging me. But this word for patience, it means to be long of spirit, not lose heart, and to bravely endure others' misfortunes and troubles. I define it this way. Patience is having the capacity to be wronged 
and not to retaliate immediately. Somebody does something that gets under your skin. Nobody ever does that at church, right? Like nobody ever does anything that gets under your skin at church. Nobody in your tag last year did anything that absolutely burned your biscuits, right? That's patience. That's patience. Patience is looking beyond someone's faults and seeing who they are in Jesus. Who can I use as an example? I'm going to use Joshua as an example. Um, Joshua can be very annoying. I mean, I, I don't know that from firsthand experience, but if I ask your brother or ask your parents, I'm sure at some point you can be annoying, right? And, and Joshua comes, and he's incredibly annoying at youth group. I mean, I ask, yeah, I ask him to keep his food and drink downstairs, like I probably asked some of you guys. And, um, and, and here he is with a big, like, you know, mug of, like, root beer, like a big froth. The froth is coming over the side, and he's just sitting there. And he's like, seriously, sitting in the front row, just showing it to me. Love is patient. Love is kind. I see Joshua, not for the frothy root beer he's spilling all over my floor, but I see him as a child of God. And that's kind of a silly example. But there are things that people do that get under our skin. There are things that people do that make us just get into one of these. I got all that rock dust on my finger, so I can't snap it. You know, one of those snap, girlfriend. Oh, no, you didn't. Yeah, one of those things. And all we want to do is we want to put them in our place. Or we want to just say, you know what? I'm done with Joshua. Actually, I'm done with Joshua. I'm done with Avery. I'm done with Evan. Sydney, I'm done with you too. I'm just done with your whole little group there. I'm, just, I'm done. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Sydney. <laughs> Drumstick took a weird bounce. Uh, <laughs> I'm done with you guys. And I'm going to go over here, and I'm just going to hang with this little posse because they're pretty cool. I just don't have the patience to deal with it. I'm not a patient person. You know, what you, you know what you communicate? You know what you communicate when you say, I'm not a patient person? You're saying, I'm not a person who is filled with the love of God, which is a fruit of the Spirit, and that should concern you, right? If you, if you say you're a Christian and you can't exercise patience, that should concern you because here's why love is patient. It's because I can never discover what your need is to, through love, meet your need unless I'm patient with you. If I spend some time with Joshua, I may realize that the reason that he brought his frothy root beer up was because he doesn't get much food at home. <laughs> and he just really got that frothy root beer and didn't want to throw it away. But I'm not going to figure that, I'm not going to figure that out if I'm just like, you know what, I'm done with this guy. When you start spending time with people and exercising patience, even though they get under your skin, even though they get under your skin, you start to learn about why they are the way they are and how you can meet the needs in their life. Patience. Anybody know how to spell patience? It, yeah, it was... Some of you could tell I'm setting you up for a trick question. That's how your teachers want you to spell patience. But in God's, in God's way of living, patience is spelled T-I-M-E. Patience is spelled T-I-M-E. You give people time. You don't write them off right away. And as you do that, you start realizing, oh, Josh has a need, and I can meet that, and I can help him with that. And that's where kindness comes in. Kindness is when you see the need, and you attack the need. Patience is the passive part of it. Kindness is the active part of it. Do you realize, you know, we, there it is, we have a bucket full of needs in our youth group. 
If we start exercising patience with each other, we'll start to understand what our needs are. Maybe you'll have the opportunity to do that through TAG this year. Um, You'll understand what the needs are, and you'll be able to meet people's needs. Love is patient and kind. Love Love is staying with people, figuring out what their needs is, and then love is attacking that need. So that's what love is. What, what, what is love not? Love isn't. Well, love isn't. There, there's kind of four ways that we can do it, but let's read it here. It says, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is, does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. First thing love is, that love isn't about who has what. This was the big discussion in this, cha- in, this, in this book in Corinthians. They're like, well, he gets to speak in tongues, and he gets to do this. It's not about who has what. It's not about who has what. Um, well, she, yeah, her, her parents give her all the money she needs to buy clothes, yeah, and, I, and, and I'm over here, and I'm, just, I'm trying to find stuff on eBay because I can't afford to go to the mall and blow hundreds of dollars like she can, and, and, and I, w- you know, I, I wish I had what she had, and... That's what we do sometimes. We see people walking in, we wish we had what they had, or we wish we looked the way they looked, but God doesn't want us to wish that we were somebody else. God wants us to be who he created us to be. And when we start being envious of people, when we start being envious of people, we stop being patient with them because we don't, get, we can't, we don't see their needs if all we can see is what they have. So love isn't about who has what. Love isn't about who has what. The next thing that love isn't is love isn't about who um, is who, about who's important. It says love does, is not proud, and it does not dishonor others. See, we have this problem, I think, in churches, and we elevate certain spiritual gifts. We elevate certain ways that we serve each other, and we, like, de-elevate others. And they have this problem, too. Like, we say, oh, well, you know, what, 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 what the people... What, what um, the people who lead like Sunday school classes do, that's really important because they stand and stand or they sit in front of people and they talk to people. But if you wipe a baby's rear end in the nursery, that's not even worth mentioning. That's what sometimes people think, but that's a shame because everything that is done is important. Um, in, In the previous chapter, he actually talks about that. He talks about how we're the body of Christ, God does. And he says that the parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. We don't notice nursery workers who change babies' rear ends until you start smelling something in the service, right? Um, So it says we're supposed to hold up with honor the parts that aren't recognized, and we're supposed to be modest with the parts that everybody notices. So love isn't about who's who. We shouldn't be comparing ourselves spiritually to each other and be like, well, you know, I did this, so, you know, sorry, jo- it's, it's Joshua Knight. Sorry, Joshua, you, you don't quite measure up to me spiritually. That's not the point. The point is we're all called to the standard of God. Um, so it's not about who's who. It's not about who's first. It says love isn't self-seeking and love isn't easily angered. Whew. You want to you, you see this in action? Just ask, just, just ask any you know, random Christian person who goes to church what they think of their church's music. Oh, you'll get all kinds of opinions, won't you? Yeah, you'll get all kinds of opinions. Um, you know, ask them about how they think the church should be decorated or ask them about, you know, 
Don't ask them how many people they led to Christ because they'll get quiet real quick. But, um, but um, yeah, just ask for people's opinions about how we should do church and who should do what. Oh, you'll get opinions. Oh, you'll get opinions. But what does it say? It says, love is not self-seeking, meaning love is not me out to get what I want. And then it says love is not easily angered. If I'm all concerned about what I want, I get angry really quick, don't I? Because you didn't do this for me. You didn't play the song I liked. You didn't put me in the service group I liked. So I'm mad. But love isn't about who's first. Yeah, if you go on a mission trip with us, you realize mission trip is the great equalizer because you, you go long, long, long hours, and at the end of the day, it's time to eat. Everybody's hungry. And it takes a lot of patience to exercise letting the other person go in line before you to eat. <laughs> um, so love isn't about who's first. We should be putting each other first. Um, and the final thing is love isn't about who did what. It says love keeps no record of wrongs and is not delight in evil. If, so this is the one you don't like. So I'm just going to say this and then we'll move on. Um, if you have a burn book, you're not in a right relationship with God. If you have a list of people who you want to see bad things happen to or a list of people you hate, you are not in a right relationship with God. So we'll just leave it at that one. Love isn't about who did what, and it says love does not, um, keeps no record of wrongs and does not delight in evil. Love is not about keeping score, it's about losing count. So you say, Matt, how do I exercise this love? I'm going to have you write these down because we're running a little short on time, but I got four F words for you. We actually have F words tonight, which is very exciting. I haven't done this for a while. So here, 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 are, here are the F words. And the first is find. Um, find someone to mentor. Love, it says love always protects. That, that has the idea of like a covering over someone. Um, there's so, there's going to be somebody in your tag group this year, there'll be somebody in your tag group this year that needs you to invest in their life and needs you to make a difference in your life. Maybe somebody a year or two younger than you that they, they need you to make a difference in their life. Find someone to mentor. The next one is have faith in your, uh, have faith in your spiritual family. Um, just like Paul said, open up your hearts to us. I want to ask you, open up your hearts to the people in your tag group this year. Open up your hearts to the people that are going to be there. Trust them. Um, the, ne- the next one we get, um, this is all from verse 7, is um, see one another for your futures in Christ. It says, love always hopes. Yeah, I know. I'm weird. But one day I'm going to be wearing a white robe in heaven. And I'm going to be part of the bride of Christ. And you will too if you believe in Jesus. And you're weird too. You do weird things, and sometimes you don't act the way a Christian should act. But guess what? I have hope in you because greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world. God is doing something in your life, even if you're not acting like it right now. So see, don't look at people for what they're doing. Look at people for who they're going to be in Christ. And here's the final one. Follow through with your commitments. Stick around. Be there for people. If you tell somebody I'll be there for you, you better be there for them. So the question is tonight, do you have it? Do you have the love of Christ? Do you actually love one another? So ask the person next to you again. Do you have it? So we're going to come up on a time. We're going to come up on a time at the end of our nights. Um, and by the way, um, before the night's over, I want everybody to ask that to Wyatt and in a very interrogative way. Okay? Ask him if he's got it. But not right now. So what we're going to do now, um, tonight is our tag kickoff. We've got about 10 minutes here. Um, and we're going to divide into our tag groups uh, for, this, for, the, for the remainder of 2018. So um, what I'm going to ask you to do, actually, yeah, what I'm going to ask you to do is, um, and I'm going to pray before we, before we divide up here, but um, I'm going to ask you to get in groups of no less than five, 
and no more than eight. If you are in middle school, you'll all go downstairs to form your tag. Okay, so if you're in middle school, just go down these steps, go downstairs into the park to form your tag. If you're in high school, stay, hold on, not yet, not yet. Stay down. Um, as you form your tag, you're going to get some things. Every tag, every tag that forms is going to get a tag box. In that box is going to be your tag report. You got to name your tag group. Now, next week, we're going to give your tag group your own room that you get to do whatever you want with, okay? Um, but you need to name your tag group, and there's one other thing I really need you to listen to. One other thing. Um, in each of those boxes, each, each member of your tag needs to fill out our, a little card. It has room for your name, your address, and then also your grade and your extracurricular activities because we want to get to know you better, and we want your uh, group leader to get to know you better too. So I'm going to pray for you, and then if you're in high school, stay up here. If you're in middle school, go downstairs, and we're going to split into some tag groups, okay? Uh, Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for every person in this room. Um, we're all here for a purpose. Uh, we're all here because uh, we want to be closer to you, and God, I pray that through tag this year, and through the encouragement of each other, uh, we really, truly will get closer to you. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.